All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Jay Walker Show. Uh, today, I have the pleasure of sitting here with 2024 presidential uh, candidate, Mr. Ryan Baker. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jay. Great to have, great to be here with you this morning, and uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for taking time out of your busy campaigning schedule to come on the show. So let me ask you this. Can you tell me about your background and experience, and what do you think makes you qualified to be president of the United States? Wow. All right. So, uh, you know, first of all, I'm a, um, <clears throat> I'm a CEO of an investment bank. I've co-founded about 20 years ago. Uh, wow. We do merger and acquisition. We do merger and acquisition <laughs> consulting. <clears throat> so we help the middle market business owners of America sell their business primarily. That's the number one business we have. We also have a, I like to call it a strategic growth division as well. So now we've, we've morphed into really consulting. We help them grow their business. These are middle market companies, lower middle market, maybe 300 million, all the way down to a million in sales. And so we cover a wide range. We, we probably help, I don't know, 170 businesses merge with other companies every year, sell with other companies every year. So that's our primary business. Also own a software engineering firm, a wealth management company. And uh, one of my favorite new businesses, I am the uh, Dallas County franchise owner for Dave's Hot Chicken, which is a lot of fun. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it's actually really good food. So uh, we've got about 400 employees across North America. And uh, wow. I'm also a pastor. So my yeah. wife and I have been in ministry uh, really since we got married. We, we've started off in ministry, young adult ministry doing an inner city ministry in Atlanta, Georgia, back in 1999, uh, missions, um, helping young kids that started a discipleship school. And then a tragedy hit my home about 22 years ago. My older brother by two years was killed by a drunk driver on wow. MLK day. Um, and so we prayed and felt like I was supposed to get back in business again. And so I, before then I was, I was corporate America. I was, uh, you know, Procter and Gamble, Boston scientific. And then I went into ministry, and then I went back into business. So I went back and got my MBA at SMU here in Dallas. And then I joined my dad's company. And then we, we spun that one off. And then we started this one together back in 05. And it really blossomed to grew. We went from about 20 employees to over 200 our first year. Wow. And then uh, we've just been s slowly growing for the last 20 years almost. And so uh, that's what we do. You know, I, I probably have a, I have a deep understanding of the economy, of mm -hmm. macroeconomics, about what does it mean for what does debt mean to our nation? How do we navigate a, a growing economy as a nation, but also do it in a prudent way? Because we haven't been doing that. We have been, we've been growing, and I think with this, with a lot of debt. In fact, we have thirty-two trillion dollars in debt. Wow. So now, you know, our interest payments in the next twelve months are going to be about ten percent, twelve percent of our current income as a nation. Wow. So we're, we're in trouble. We're in trouble of financially. We're in trouble about what we start spending and how do we spend money. So, I, you know, at the end of the day, I've got a plan to navigate this. I, I think we've got to balance the budget again, but we can do it in a way that's not too austere, that doesn't topple our, company, our country over. I, I, I would bring a business approach to healthcare. I've got some thoughts on that we can talk into, but bottom line is I'm qualified because I see things and I that nobody else is talking about. I mean, nobody else is really talking about who's talking about balancing the budget, who's yeah. talking about reform, <laughs> actually transforming the monopolies out of healthcare. So we've got 
we've got lawyers in charge of our money, basically, you know, and uh, as, as at the executive office, we don't have a lot of business people there. So we've got a lot of politicians. So at the end of the day, we need, I think we need, it's time for a businessman, uh, another approach to this. President Trump was that, but he, he grew his business off debt. And so he didn't really think about yeah. <laughs> balancing the budget. And so we, we did the same thing in our country. We went seven and a half trillion dollars in debt underneath this four years of leadership that we're about to hit up. We're about to hit a, I would call it a perfect storm financially, because when you go to this much debt, <clears throat> we're a nation that prints our own money. So a lot of people don't have a problem with that. But when you print this much money, that's what increases the money supply and that's what causes inflation. So big time inflation is rent, mortgages, car, anything car related, food is up 20 and 30% versus just two years ago. So your average person is really struggling and it's about to get worse. And the reason yeah. it's going to get worse is because we're going to go $2 trillion in debt this year and $2 trillion next year as well. So it's about to get worse. So I'm running to save the next generation financially. You know, I've got five kids, 13 to 23. Wow. And if we don't do something quick, we're going to we're going to pass them off with the I think the weakest economic foundation since the Great Depression. This thing could topple over. And I'm not a I'm not a doomsayer. I mean, I, I believe we can navigate through this. That's why I'm running. But I I, I think it's going to take wisdom and leadership that we don't have today. Wow. So what motivated you to run for the highest office in the country? Yeah, so I'm minding my own business, running my company, uh, pastoring my church, and trying to be a good husband and dad. And um, God began speaking to me about it. At the end of the day, um, all the ways that God would speak to you, me, all of us, he led me to this place. I had dreams about it, um, enough so to where I felt like, okay, God, I feel like I'm going to follow this. And, and the message I'm having really is this, that America is in desperate need of an economic revival. It's far worse than what any president has led us on to believe. We're, we're, you know, if you, if you can go back and look at the Great Depression, look at the Great Recession in, in 07 and 08, what was happening before then? What were the indicators? Who was saying something's coming? And would we have done anything different a year or two beforehand? And why didn't we? That's what I'm saying. Something's coming. I don't know what it is, and I don't know exactly when it's coming, but something's coming we're not ready for. We're in two proxy wars today. We're in a Cold War. We're in trouble. Uh, I'm also no. I believe we need a spiritual revival. So the pastor side of me, I'm looking at our country as broken as it is culturally. We've never been more divided than we are right now in my lifetime. I'm 55 years old. I, I think it's time that we stop the rhetoric. We stop the division, the hatred in our country, you know, and actually look up to God, trust in each other, quit, quit vilifying each other. Right now we've got media and the far right and far left mouthpieces of our country tearing us apart and you know abraham lincoln spoke to this that if if america was ever going to be destroyed he said it's not going to come from some other nation it's going to come from within and mm -hmm. that is what's happening right now there's it doesn't matter whether it's demographically sociologically you know financially yeah. our country is being ripped apart and i think it's time that we start speaking to this and and actually calling for unity in our country we got some problems that are not democrat or republican problems they're american problems and that's what i'm calling on america to do. let's focus on american issues the border the budget things that's impacting everybody health care let's get some wins under our belt solve some stuff together and that's why i'm running so i want to ask you about this the criminal justice reform what are your plans for criminal justice reform including addressing addressing issues like police reform and and, and mass incarceration 
You know, I, I am one of those people that definitely believes this, that we need to have that. So this is typically not on the Republican agenda, but, you know, I can so really acknowledge that, you know what, there needs to be greater education. There needs to be greater information. There needs to be greater transparency regarding, you know, justice reform issues. And so I've got a good friend of mine, Kevin Tarver. He, he was on my football team. We were on the same football team together back in the 80s in oh, wow. McKinney High School. And, <laughs> and he, this guy's police, police chaplain most of his life. His son was killed by a policeman, um, I guess now, probably close to two and a half years ago. Um, wow. And then, you know, the police held the videos they, they for like a year. They wouldn't even mm. show the recordings of it because it happened right during, right after the George Floyd time and all that. And so here I'm looking at this as a friend of mine. He's a member of my church today and we're friends. And I, and I see it. He's he, now he's leading a campaign of justice reform across the nation. He's back met with president Biden. He's met with president Trump yeah. and there, there's justice issues. This isn't though defunding the police, nothing like that. In fact, he is, he's is pro police. In fact, his son was going to college to be a policeman an officer. Wow. And so, you know, this is, but it was, he had had a mental health crisis. And so it's a, it's a sad story because his son was in an accident. He had a mental health crisis and it, it just something that should have never happened. But at the end of the day, it did. And, and I believe there is reform, but it's not about defunding the police. This is about us, in fact, probably increasing the funds to police, making sure that we've got, you know, people that are paid, paid wisely and smart. And, but also we're, we're bringing reforms in to make sure there's justice areas. I, I met with some people in Missouri. They take people on them on different tracks there, you know, violent crime track. Hey, there's prison time, but if there's drugs involved or addiction related issues, they put them on a different track for recovery instead of just putting them in prison and watch them want when they get out of prison, go back to the drug world again. And then there's a mental health track that they take them on as well. And as I thought about that, you know, a lot of these are state issues. These are not federal issues that I could sit there and go, wow, this is what we're going to do federally when every state was really in charge of the funds that go into these areas. But I can certainly lead and I can certainly, you know, communicate with legislators and leaders, governors of every state. Go, why don't we why don't we put why don't we change this and and lead uh, that we have people on different tracks of life to make sure that, you know, somebody's not in prison for, you know, taking a recreational drug for a long period of time or yeah. if they got caught up in a group that they have a plan for recovery. So I think I think those are a few things that are on my heart. You know, I want to see I want to see people recovered. I want to see them, you know, on the right track in life. The other thing I really want to do is like, let's get to the problem of why there's some of these issues to begin with. And I really have a heart for urban America. We can dive into this a little bit too, but I, I really have a vision for education in urban America, how that can change uh, vocational trades again, getting people ready for life, how to get, yeah. teach people how to have a job. You know, we, we take people on this track of you better have a four year to college degree or you're not really on a tier one education track. And the reality is that's false. Uh, there are so many people that are have a great careers that don't need to go to a four year degree and come out with $200,000 in debt. They yep. can go to a technical or trade school. We need to get back to that. So we can dive into that a little bit, but part of the vision on how it all changes, uh, start at the core. Let's get people educated. Let's teach them how to read, write, do math better. Uh, let's teach them a trade. Let's give them a vision for their life. And if they get in trouble, uh, let's let's make sure that the justice is done and not not um well let's treat everybody the right way yeah 
So let's say you are elected. What are your top three policies if you are elected as president? Well, so, you know, I'm an economist. Right now, I see everything, everything through this lens of financial. Uh, We're not strong internationally. We can't lead. We can't lead well. China is not paying attention to us today. Russia is not paying attention to us today. Why? Because we're not leading economically. In fact, where we are borrowing money, they're loaning money. China's loaning money to Eastern Europe, to Africa, to Latin America. Now, their people are poor. Listen, their people are poor, but their nation is not. And so the nation has money. And, and they don't have the social welfare programs that we have here. Social Security, it's not the same and all that kind of stuff. So at the end of the day, they're loaning money. We have to be strong financially here or we'll never lead well across the globe. So what I got to do, first of all, we got to get back to doing something we haven't done in 30 years, and that's balance the budget. So we put together a sep- day one. I'm going to be put, talking budget. I'm going to talk money with Congress, and I'm going to say, listen, there, we have to get on a, a healthy plan. I'm going to communicate to America how important it is we get on the right track because here's what's going to happen if we don't you're going to keep having your rent payments go up did you know rent is about 40 percent higher than it was just two years ago a mortgage is twice as much so because interest rates went up you know two and a half years ago it was two and a half percent for a mortgage now it's seven or eight percent so a mortgage would be twice as much for the same size home as it was just two years ago that's called inflation so us not communicating we're doing the world a disservice I talk to college students all the time, and and you know what? Their goal is to get out of college and be financially independent. They cannot be financially independent. You know what they're doing? They're coming home to live with mom and dad. They're they're getting four roommates for a two-bedroom apartment, and they're Ubering yeah. everywhere instead of owning their own car. That's not was not their dream, you know, to get out of yeah. college and do that. Yeah, that's so, not the dream. It's, it's a great opportunity to talk to people and go, this is what debt does. Now, here's how we're going to navigate through. So we put together a seven-year economic plan. I think I'm the only presidential candidate that's actually put together an in plan yeah. writing on how to do that. So that's day one. I'm doing that. Day two, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I am going to secure the border of the United States of America. We have to. You know, I think we've had five million people come across wow. the southern border illegally and those seeking asylum in the last just two years. This wow. is crazy. We've got to stop this. You know, one, they're taking jobs that shouldn't be, they should be going to the American citizens. I, I am, I'm actually for treating people favorably. I believe they're all God's kids. I want to treat them people favorably, but number one, we've got to close this border. Uh, that's short term. I would have two phases to it. First phase is to close it with the military, whatever means necessary. I would even stop asylum seekers right now because we've got 5 million we have to process. I mean, how are we going to do that? These, what's happening right now, people are coming in, and we can't even process a court date until two or three years from now. So people are yeah. just roaming around our country for two or three years. We have no idea who they are. And then they don't what? even show up for the court. They don't even show up for the court date. And then we don't even kick them out. Uh, we yeah. don't have a – <laughs> so anyway, we've got to fix it. And then phase two, I've got a long-term comprehensive border security plan because we've got some people that came here when they were babies and kids and – we can do something with them. We, we need to have a plan for workforce registration. We've got jobs here that we need, some here that nobody wants to do, that we need to make sure that they can be here legally and do them. So that, uh, number three, I'll transform healthcare. Uh, healthcare wow. is eating away our country. We've got a system of monopolies in insurance agencies, big pharma, and now hospitals. Hospitals own 75% of the doctors in the United States. And so doctors used to compete with hospitals for small procedures. So now we don't know what it costs when we go to a doctor anymore. 
I don't know when's the last time you've been, but we don't ask how much does it cost for us to be there. So bottom uh, line is I, we have to get rid of the monopolistic structure in healthcare because if I put up a graph and showed you regular inflation and then I put up another one showed you healthcare inflation, healthcare inflation is 40% higher than regular inflation for the last 20 years. So it's a broken system. It's eating away Medicare, Medicaid, the federal government. It's 35% of our budget. We've got to get the waste out of that system because America is number one in cost by double. And we're not even the top 20 in patient outcomes per dollar. So we have got this system of just spending money. Doctors are revenue generators for, for hospitals now. It's what they are. So, and I hate to say it, but many of, many of them truly care for patients, but now they have a different role. They've got to make money. And um, wow. it's broken. Yeah, it's, it's truly broken. I agree with you. It's broken. Yeah. So let me ask you this. So in your opinion, what can we do to... To, to stop some of this um, cops killing innocent black people, innocent black guys or innocent black Americans because in the previous administrations, I mean, they said they're going to do something, but it hasn't fully happened to its full extent. So what can we do to ensure that black Americans are as protected as your LGBT acute Americans, as your white Americans and as your Asian Americans? Well, this is something I'll just I'll admit to you. I need to dive into further. So, you know, I'm not going to sit there and say I'm an expert on this because I'm I'm not. But I do believe in I do believe in justice and I do believe in equity. And so we need to make sure, first of all, that we are keep well, keeping people held accountable to the law. And and I, to me, that's transparency. So when there is someone that is killed or harmed by a policeman in any way, we need to make sure justice is served and they're held accountable. Yes. I don't know that they are fully. I don't know that all these recordings that they're having on their camera are fully disclosed. And every state does things a little bit different. It's really interesting speaking with my friend recently. He said, Ryan, it's not just black Americans that they're being, you know, treated harmfully against. Many of them are white people. He, he goes around in these circles. So Kevin would be a great guy to have on your show sometime. In fact, because he's, he's a leader of this community and, and this subject as well. Um, and I could arrange that. But he tells me, Ryan, it's all races. It's whites included in the world that he's in. You know, it's just mistakes happen, things happen, and people aren't held accountable. So first of all, accountability, education, accountability, making sure there's sets of parameters. I, I remember after, and I'll just say this too, I spoke with some policeman who's a friend of mine. And this goes back after, this goes right after George Floyd. And I said, hmm. listen, hey, I got, a, I got a question for you. I said, did y'all have a meeting like huh. in the police department? Like, hey, let's powwow together. You know, let's all be careful this week or nobody's wow. You know, let's you know, did anybody did y'all have like a meeting? Like if I had a if I had a tragedy at my company or in the business world, I'd get everybody together and say, All right, hey, here's our values, here's what we are. Yeah. He said, No, he said, No, everybody knows what to do. And I thought, Okay. <laughs> are we are we sure about that? You know, so I don't know, you know, I think yeah. we can all do better. We can all do better leadership wise. And then I want to encourage too. I want to encourage, you know, more more civil engagement. I mean, we need we need more black police officers. We need more police yeah. officers of all culture and races to make sure that, you know. And and then we need we need people held accountable, and we need we need we need law and order in communities. You know, yes. we need to make sure that communities know that hey, we're not going to crimes are being you know a lot of people know there's crimes happening in their community, and that yeah. they don't. I mean. I'm just going to put this on both both sides of the fence here. There needs to be accountability. There needs to be law and order. There needs to be accountability from all sides. 
And, you know, I, you know, there's so many crimes now happening everywhere. I mean, look what's happening in on some of these cities, big cities, where we're basically we're encouraging shoplifting as long as it's not underneath a certain amount. And you've got gangs of people running in stores and now you've got major change not even wanting to put retail stores in major cities and it's it's becoming a a doom loop economically so this thing it's got to be held accountable both ways if you look to san francisco and they they said hey as long as you don't shoplift above a thousand dollars we're not even going to go after you so now these gangs get together and they go in there so let's just be honest to both sides every side and say yeah we need to stop police brutality but we also need to quit common crimes and treating them like it's not a big deal it is a big deal because it's bringing economic doom to cities and and i would try and lead with you know it's interesting you know god is a god of of righteousness and justice and this is so important i think for people to understand you know i'm a pastor so in the book of psalms it talks about this i think psalm 98 righteousness and justice are the equal there it's god's throne so what does that mean? Well, many people in Democrats focused on justice issues. Many Republicans focus on righteousness issues. God's both. We need to have both, meaning we need to follow the law, but we need to treat things fairly and treat everybody fairly and with equity and justice along the way. And right now, both are broken in our country. So I would try and lead as president. Hey, let's let's own both of these areas. Let's improve both of them. We're never going to be perfect, but you know we can continue to guide our path and make sure that we're leading the best we can. Wow. So what do you stand on issues like gun control, the LGBTQ plus and women productive rights? Okay. So first of all, gun control, I believe in the second amendment. Listen, we've got, this is part of our constitutional uh, rights to, you know, bear arms and that, that right should not be infringed upon many of the things these only come into play, you know, when there's a violent crime or a mass murder. You know, like the most recent one we have, most of these are mental health issues that we see. Most of the time, exactly. it's it's not it's not the weapon that caused that crime. It was the individual, and we need to start focusing on individuals and making sure they're held accountable and that they have basically when they're in a mental health issue. This guy's parents brought up some issues. This guy had mm-hmm. there was yellow fall lags in Maine. They got overlooked, or they you know we're not enforcing the laws that we have in place many times. So I think we need to do a better job of that. I mean, obviously my prayer goes out to every family and every victim in Maine and certainly across any time there's been that. But, and I'm not saying, you know, there, there's not needs. I think there needs to be some awareness when there's a clinical mental health issue, you know, that, that's, document, that's documented by doctors. We need to make sure that that's taken care of and people are well aware of that. It doesn't need to be, Hey, my boyfriend's a little crazy today, and all of a sudden he's on the you know he's on the yellow flag list. Yeah, it doesn't need to be that way. But but at the end of the day, I believe in protecting our guns, our gun rights. Most of these are mental health issues, and this is one thing our country I think has failed on, and and this is a state issue as well. We don't do enough to making sure we're caring for mental health issues, and this has been increasing all the more. You know, I'm a pastor of a church. I remember having a membership class. Goodness, this is about six months ago. In one particular class, I popped in. And there's like, I don't know, 20, 25 people in there. And four people wanted to know, hey, as a pastor, what does your church provide for mental health? And I'm like, our church isn't big enough to really have a mental health expert. But, you know, wow, it shows you the need that's out there. And, um, and, you know, it's, it's great. So, anyway, if I move on to LGBTQ issues, listen, I... 
that's a, we could talk for an hour about this. And so I don't know exactly what you want to dive into, but most of the time this is coming up about transgenderism because this is, seems to be the focus of attention today. So education, schools, what are being taught? What are, what are the LGBTQ rights in schools today? Listen, I, I am for, I'm for parental involvement in education. I am for us making sure we're not excluding parents. Some of these states that exclude parents from counseling of kids on, on their sexual identity, I think they are so far off. That's wrong. As president, I'd make sure that, that that's never done. We need to make sure parents are involved. Um, certain books that are being shared at goodness, third, fourth, fifth grade, sixth grade levels, that those need to be out of the school. We, we need to teach math, science, and reading. We need to get yeah. politics out. I, I would, you know, I, I like parents. I don't mind sharing resources with parents, but it's the parent's job to teach sex education at that level. At the, at the end of the day, as kids get older, you know, there's some things that they can have access to, which, you know, is fine. But bottom line is when it comes to many of these issues, the political agendas that are out there, especially in some of these states, they need to get back to focus on education. They need to leave politics out of the educational classroom. I really believe that. And then, and then I think also make sure we're showing love and care to people that are truly struggling with sexual identity. My heart and soul goes out to anyone, teenager, including anybody that could be dealing with that. And I've talked about this a lot. I've talked about this on college campuses, different places. I'm like, listen, if you are struggling with that, my, especially as a teenager, I would say this, be patient. Yeah. You know, listen, I don't know one teenager. I was one by the way. And, uh, I, every teenager is going through crazy hormonal, emotional changes in their teenage years. Tell me one that didn't, I've had five kids and I, you know, it's so everyone just be patient. God didn't make a mistake with you. Just be patient. You know, if you can't buy a beer, if you can't get a tattoo, you don't need to be making a lifelong permanent decision on your body. Yep. So I'm totally against that. And now as an adult, you know, my, my, my next message is this, let's respect each other. You know, I speak with people all the time in the LGBT community, this, this division of rhetoric we have that somehow if I disagree with you, I hate you. That needs to end. I, you know, we need to love each other, respect each yep. other, bring that level of respect back. Um, and I think that's the narrative I would lead as president. Let's respect everybody in our country, but, but we need to protect our children. We need to protect teenagers and, and let's get them focused on the main things. And, and then as they become an adult, if they want to, you know, pursue something, listen, I mean, you're an adult, you can, you can do that, but that's the way I would trying to change the tone, the narrative, and let's bring love back. Let's bring true concern for people back in our country. Yeah. So are you ready for the next presidential debate? I am. I am available for it. You know, they keep raising the parameters. Oh, wow. On polling and donors, polling and donors. And so the Republican Party, you know, is in a is in a bind. Um, President Trump has got the majority of, of the polling numbers and they're trying to come up, I think, with one person that can compete with them. So they're trying to consolidate all the other candidates very quickly. And they've been doing this from the beginning. And they've created thresholds that are unprecedented in number of donors. To give you an example, you know, they want you to have 70,000 donors. Well, when Mike wow. Huckabee won Iowa, he only had 7,000 donors. And so this is, they keep raising these requirements to try and eliminate the field. 
Um, and they're doing that with polling as well. And so what they're saying is, if you're not, and I'm not a billionaire, nor am I a lifelong politician. I am a, I'm a businessman and a pastor, but I see things differently. And I'm shouting this message forward, but, but I think what the Republican Party is trying to do is get somebody up there to compete with Trump pretty quickly. So I don't think I'm going to make this next debate. Um, it would take a miracle in polling for that to happen. But we're going to keep sharing our message. We are, we are on the ballot now. We're getting on the ballot in every state. Um, we are going to keep, keep our message out there. Uh, my goal is to surprise people in Iowa and in New Hampshire. Do well. Do better than expected. You know, we've had 15 candidates to start with, and now I'm ahead of four or five of those that started. We're somewhere between sixth and ninth place, depending on how you look at it. My goal is to finish top four in Iowa, and then everybody go, who, who is Ryan Binkley? We haven't talked to him yet. <laughs> and uh, hopefully they'll get a chance to hear this message, and uh, hopefully we'll have a breakthrough in media before then. But that's what we're trying to do. We need an economic change. I mean, if we don't sit there and talk about the real thing crippling our nation is our finances and our culture. And I'm speaking yeah. to both of these things because we've got a real problem. The Republican Party has a problem. We only won four of the top 50 cities by population. Four. Wow. We don't have a message with urban America. These are the biggest population centers where college students live, young people live. They're the fastest growing segments of society. And, and we have been pushed out to be primarily a party of urban and rural America, excuse me, suburban and rural America. And I've got a message for urban America, and it's this. Let's don't forget about them. Let's dive into them. But let's show them, I would call it a Republican alternative to socialism. Wow. Right now, the Democratic Party is trying to buy votes, and they try and do this all the time. And if we recognize what they're doing, they're trying to buy votes by giving away money. They give mm -hmm. away money. They say, hey, listen, vote for us. We'll give you free health care. We'll give you free food. We'll give you free shelter. They want to have universal income. We'll give you free whatever. Now, if you're, on the, if you're on the lower income scale or you're poor, that's pretty compelling. I mean, free is good, right? I mean, I'm trying to yeah. figure out where next week is coming from. I'm not trying to be disingenuous here there's a lot of people truly struggling and i can understand that but what is the republican message for that because uh, honestly it doesn't help people escape a cycle of poverty just to mm. give them two or three hundred four hundred five hundred dollars a month it does not help escape what 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 gets people out of poverty is education and jobs yep and not only just a job a career paying a family supporting living wage so i am in support of us taking urban America and say, listen, first of all, let's tackle the education problem. I don't know if you know this, but minorities, particularly blacks in urban America, only one out of six are reading at the eighth grade reading level. Wow. One out of six. Now, regardless of race and income, we're only reading about three and a half out of 10, 35% across America. I mean, it's not that much better. So, but one out of six is horrible. That's 15%. What are we going to do about it? Are we going to keep the cycle of same? So I'm, I'm believing in school choice. Let's give these parents now, why should your kids be stuck in the going to a school where only 60% of them are graduating high school, period, and they're wow. not reading at the level. They're not being prepared for the next level of life, not being prepared for college. What are we going to do about it? Let's give them school choice. Number two, I want to start a volunteer movement across America. I want to get college students. I'm going to ask hundreds of thousands of college students to join me in a movement of mentoring and volunteering in third through the eighth grade, teaching kids how to read, write, and do math. Would you give five hours a week? What would happen if college students were just given a challenge? Hey, mm. They're on their phone five hours a day. 
<laughs> what if they gave five hours a week to mentor a young person exactly. how to read? Now, think I'm talking about one-on-one. -on -one. And I'm talking about them being in somebody's life. I'm yeah. talking about after school programs where we're teaching kids that instead of this, you know, many of their parents are working or they're, you know, they're not home after school. What if they went to a, an after school program and college students showed up and they helped kids and they mentored them? Listen, that would not only change that kid's life, it would change that college student's life. Well, yep. Can you imagine their story when they go give an interview and they said, yeah, I've spent the last two years mentoring a young person the same kid yeah. for two years. It builds their resume. Like, you did what? It, well, that, but it would change the culture of our country. Because so many times we think of, wow, the problem is so big, what we can do, what can we do about it? But you know what? I believe this. I, I believe the secret to this is changing one life at a time. Yeah. What if all you and I did was change one person's life this next year? Wow. What if that's all you did? Yeah, man, I, I connected with one kid and I changed their life and that's on my resume. But what if then everybody did that same thing? We could change the world. We, in short order, we wouldn't just change America and the culture of our country. We change the world. And that's kind of the vision I have is own your city. Do what you can. Do for one what you'd want to do for all. Let's take a few hours and give back. Let's teach these kids how to work again, too. Let's teach vocational trades again. Not everybody is supposed to go to college for four years. I mean, certainly I want everybody to go that can and wants to, but not everybody's gifted and wants to do that. Some people are gifted, gifted with their hands, gifted yeah. with, with technology. You know, you don't have to go to a four-year degree to be a technical expert. I mean, even do programming and software engineering or, or to be a craftsman or to be a welder or to be a tradesman, a plumber, an electrician. There's so many jobs that pay above the average income here. That you don't have to have you know tons of debt when you come out and that we need to start a work movement again we need to instill the value of work and quit making our heroes being social influencers and let's get back to our heroes being people that just <laughs> value work yeah i'm not yeah. talking about i'm not talking about you now or anybody i'm just saying <laughs> so many times we we idolize you know things that only one in a million do yeah and i don't have a problem with that but let's also value just hard work because hard work will take you places and provide for you and your family a hundred percent of the time yeah a hundred percent of the time and i don't think we value it enough and i want to start a work wow. movement again with truly teaching kids the value of hard work wow so let's do this how 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 far away do you think how how, how do how far away do you think we are from world war three You know, I, I don't think we're far from a regional conflict. You know, if Russia and China do something together, we could be brought into a world war. Um, I, I think the Middle Eastern conflict, it could, but I don't think it will. I think that probably be a regional thing. Hopefully we can navigate this storm without that. I, I, see, I see what everybody's trying to do. Everybody's trying to make a way for prosperity in their own nation and they don't have a path. I mean, the whole world is struggling financially. I mean, a lot of the world, the inflation we're having, the most of the world is having as well. Like I said earlier about China, China's people are struggling. Their economy is struggling. As they think about taking over, you know, I don't know what, influence of Taiwan or the nation, they're, they're trying to survive. Russia, they're trying to survive. I mean, they're thinking about, wow, taking over Ukraine. Ukraine's a breadbasket. You know, they make a, they're like the Iowa of, 
Europe. I mean, they've got farm, they feed 11% of the world with wheat and food. Uh, you know, is Russia, why, why is Russia there? What's their influence there? It's likely influence, economic influence and money, prosperity. How can they, how can they expand their, their influence? As president, I would try and navigate and show everyone, hey, listen, we are all spending 10% now, 5%, whatever it is, income on the military, trying to expand your influence. I believe in a strong defense for deterrence, but let's quit the war. Let me show you another way to prosper. I mean, right now, I mean, how many hundreds of thousands of people have to die in Russia for them to value life and to value the productivity lost and to show them that there's other ways that they could open up capitalism in their country and actually have prosperity beyond what they're doing today. Same with same with China. I mean, look at Taiwan. If you look at the per capita income of Taiwan, I mean, it's three to four times greater than the average person in China. Why, wow. why doesn't China learn from Taiwan instead of trying to just take them over or kill their people? I mean, why don't you learn? What, what are they doing different? Well, they're a democracy. Wow. <laughs> They've <laughs> actually opened up their government to business, excuse me, a private business. And that actually works. And people get innovative and they get creative and they have an incentive to work instead of the state owning all these businesses the way that they do in China. Why don't you open it up a little bit, see what capitalism does. See what, and I would try and lead that way. I would try and lead us out of war. Um, I believe in a strong defense to deter war. I hope we're not near a third world war. Without great <laughs> leadership, we could be, without great leadership, we could be closer than we think. Wow. Do you think that um, the other world leaders are as afraid of Joe Biden as they were of Donald Trump? No, no, I don't. Um, you know, when, when Joe Biden ran, I'll call it ran out of Afghanistan, it sent, huh. a, it sent a signal. And the yeah. signal is they don't want to be there. <laughs> I actually think this. I think I think Zelensky in Ukraine surprised President Biden. I think President Biden was kind of ready to let Russia take over. And then all of a sudden they pushed him back and like, oh, now they're caught between our now we're funding them and helping them. I'm not for sure on that. I don't have insight in that. But when I look at how it started, I think I think I think Putin saw weakness. I think he saw weakness on America. He saw weakness in NATO. NATO's not really poning up their fair share. I think he saw an opportunity and I took it. I think he took it. Uh, many of those areas in the eastern part of Ukraine are, you know, Russian speaking. Their culture is very similar to Russia. I think he saw an opportunity. He saw the same thing with, with Obama in 2008. That's where he took over Crimea. Obama didn't do anything about it. So, you know, um, I think he definitely saw weakness. Wow. Definitely. Do you think it's going to be a... Um... You think it's going to be a challenge for Joe Biden to win this time around with all this stuff, with all the stuff that's going on? The economy rules today every time in an election cycle. And I see the economy getting yeah. worse in the next 12 months, not better. Um, and I, I do, I actually do see, you know, his age being a factor. I mean, I'm not saying, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to denigrate him or anything like that. But listen, um, you know, he, there's no question Joe Biden of two years ago, three years ago, is a, quite a bit sharper than the Joe Biden that we see today. I, I think, in my opinion, and that's without me trying to be disrespectful. At the same time, you know, um, he's he's a he's holding polls well, and he is still, yeah. you know, there. Um, I think I do. I think he's going to be there a year from now. I yeah. personally don't. Now yeah. we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, do I think something happens? My personal opinion, I do. But we'll see. Um, yeah. 
So can you describe your vision for America in the next 10 years if your presidency is successful? You know, I, as I mentioned earlier, you know, financial is huge, but cultural is the biggest thing. Wow. Because if you don't fix the culture of division in our country and hatred, you can't fix the other thing. I mean, how can you fix the economy when it takes Democrats and Republicans to balance the budget? It's going to take Democrats and Republicans to to fund the border and to have a true comprehensive immigration plan. It's going to take Democrats and Republicans to truly transform health care, to transform education. I, I truly I see an America that's united. I see an America where we're the brokenness culturally that we have between urban America, the poor and the middle class and the upper class financially. I, I see, I see, I'm going to try and lead a movement of compassion, of giving, of generosity, of education, of volunteerism, of community service. I'm going to share a message of own your city. I'm going to share a message of love your neighbor. I see, I see in America in 2026 on our 150th birthday, I want you to like vision with me 250 years as a nation. What kind of celebration do you see? What kind of celebration should it be? Should it be just a day on July 4th? Or should it be at least a week-long celebration? Or should it be a month-long celebration? Our 250th years. I I thought, I'm so glad that birthday is not today. I'm so glad we're not celebrating 250 years this year. I mean, wouldn't that have been a bad, I mean, it just seems like we're so divided, so broken. Yeah. My vision is that my vision is by that 250th birthday would be sound economically. We'd be mm. on a pathway. We'd have, we'd have inflation down. People would start prospering. We would focus on education. We'd focus on the most hurting in society. We would start focusing on them, the poor, the Republicans would have a message. I'd lead a message that, hey, we're Democrat, Republican, whatever. Let's lead a message to help the poor. Let's do this together. Let's start a volunteer movement. Uh, the country, our country's broke financially. We're not going to have more money to give, but we can teach people how to work. We can teach people how to how to learn better and how to have a higher degree of education, increase opportunities. I see us leading across the globe when we're financially strong, but we're leading in a place of peace and strength and success. Showing people there's another pathway to success instead of just, you know, rattling our savers all day long. And, and we, can, we can open up the economy to a global economy that, that there's room for people to prosper. I believe we should put America first, but, but we're also called to be a global leader. I see a secure border, but I see comprehensive immigration where we truly don't make people wait 20 years to get to our country, where we're meeting the work needs that we have here, but we know who everybody is. There's no sanctuary cities because there's no need for one. We have 20 million people here that we don't even know who they are. We don't, they have fake IDs, social security numbers. We don't even know who they are. I see a country that's transparent, that's financially strong, that's full of love and grace and peace and strength, where this division in our country and our, and our campuses today is not as strong. We're never going to agree on every social issue, but can we focus on things that truly matter? Helping the poor, helping those in need, um, you know, getting jobs for people. And then creating a level of respect. You know, if wow. we disagree on certain issues, whether it be pro-life, pro-choice, whether it be certain issues about, you know, LGBTQ or whatever, can we have respect and love? And 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 let's like, let's let's help people. For if a woman's in crisis, I don't want to talk. I want to create a culture of life. I want to help them. A woman in crisis. When I say crisis, an unplanned pregnancy. Let's help them. Let's figure out a way to change the culture. And that's what I will do as president try and lead us to a new new era of, of leadership in our country to where 
we love each other. We're seeing each other. We're helping each other. And then I think prosperity will come and strength will come. Wow. So I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule for coming on the show today. But we do this thing here at the Jay Walker Show called Change for Change. And actually, today is the last day. And I was would like to know, would you like to donate to our Change for Change? It's for social issues. And we help out the homeless during the holiday season. So I was just asking, would you like to donate to our Change for Change? Yes, we will donate. That'd be great. Thank you. Thank That'd you so great. much. Just thank we'll you. follow up with I, you on that. All right, thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. We have had 2024 presidential candidate. Oh, one last question. When is when are you coming to Alabama? When I'm invited. You get a group of people and, and uh you get you get some people out there and uh have me out. We'll trump it on the schedule. We, we, so. we work on that. We work on that. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, 2024 presidential candidate, Mr. Ryan Binkley. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Appreciate it. Take care. Have a great day. Come on. Do your thing.